the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. If you are familiar with the old hymn, The Solid Rock, On Christ the Solid Rock, Upon Which I Stand, All Other Ground is Sinking Sand, that uh, is certainly not only a good theme upon which to live and build one's life, but that also is the heart of the Rock Church located in Danville. And to tell us more about this ministry, we're joined by Senior Pastor of The Rock, Pastor Rick Fry. Pastor Fry, welcome. Good to have you with us today. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. We'd like to take an opportunity to just kind of share with our listeners a bit about the background of the church, what God is doing in Danville, in the hearts of the folks in your congregation, and a bit, too, about your own vision for the San Francisco Bay Area. So let, let's start with the easy part, a little bit about yeah. you and your background. Tell us, how did you come to get involved in full-time ministry? So I was a long-haired hippie in nineteen in the, in the early 80s. And I was raised in church, uh, g- came to Jesus when I was five, and really was captivated by the Lord at an early age. Kind of fell off the wagon a little in, in my freshman year. Uh, I'm a musician, so I was playing in a secular band with a bunch of 20-year-olds when I was 13, 14. And um, that lasted not very long. Uh, and then I went to a camp, and the Lord just did a, a work in me at this camp at the age of 15. And I, I just dove right in to church life and, and prayer and seeking God and the word. Then um, probably when I turned 17, our, my mom and dad were in a very small four square church and they asked me if I would start a youth group there. And so I started a youth group and the youth group, grew to about 80 kids and the church was about 50 people in the middle of nowhere. And so then that pastor moved to, to Lodi, California, and then he hired me full time right before my 18th birthday. So I lived in, I was there about five years and, and then just throughout the years I've been doing this since, well, let's see, I'm going to be 56 and I started at 17. So that's how, how it started out youth ministry for almost probably 18 years. I did, youth ministry, traveling, uh, speaking all over, doing tons of camps and conferences for youth, and then became a senior pastor uh, in Burbank, California, our second oldest four-square church. Uh, Amy said, go to the end of the trolley line and plant the next church, and that was Burbank. So I was there uh, for about eight and a half years. Then I went to Colorado uh, to pastor a church, left there, and went to... um, uh, Pomona to help a friend build a house of prayer and and a kind of a ministry school for 18 to 25 year olds. And then then that's how I ended up here uh, in in Danville. So I've been here about well, going on 12 years. I started out as they hired me as the worship guy. And the pastor said, I'm retiring in five years. And people said, you'd be a great uh, person to take my place. And I was like, well, five years is a long time. You might not like me at the end of five years. So I, I was the worship leader. And as soon as I got here, I think it was five months in, he just told me, you're supposed to be the guy I'm, I'm, re- I'm retiring and, and leaving. So that's how that happened. You know, what strikes me about your personal story is the impact that youth ministry had at a very early age, early on in your life. Yeah. Speak to that, if you would. I, I'm struck by, for example, in the news recently, there's been yet another story of youth violence. This time, a big fight breaking out at a mall up in San Francisco. It seems not a day goes by that we don't read something in the news. The age of kids and the kind of trouble that they're getting into seems to get 
younger and younger and younger. And of course, the influences of the world around us between some of the music and some of the entertainment and the fact that it seems that violence is the theme of everything, be it video games, television, movies, whatever it is that kids are consuming to distract them. Even some of the videos that they're making on TikTok oftentimes have to tend to have a bit of a violent angle to them. And I'm just wondering if all of this really underscores, in your viewpoint, Pastor Fry, the critical importance of youth ministry and for the church to be actively out there in the highways and byways, so to speak. And as we talk about compelling them to come in, that first and foremost, to think about what's going on in society today and the impact on our youth. Yeah, I I did youth ministry for... 18 solid years. And then I, I spoke in conferences even past that as a senior pastor for youth. And our youth group up in Olympia, Washington that I had was, I mean, we had 700 kids in that youth group. And there was, I think we had 2,400 salvations in a matter of 16 months. And part of the, the problem that I've seen that's uh, we're we're obviously inundated by so much. Everything's so quick. These kids have their phones; they can see everything. Everyone wants to have a make a million dollars on YouTube and TikTok, and so they're willing to do things that they normally wouldn't do to get a like and to get get people to view their stuff. The problem is what I've seen that, that I think is a major problem in the church is we've kind of left the gospel a little bit. And we're, there's no there's no power anymore. There's no calling people to a sold out life for Jesus. And so I think I think in our, in my my ministry with youth, I called them to a a radical relationship with Jesus and and the pursuing of God. That's the vision of our church. Our church is pursue, equip, reach. That you know, if you don't pursue God, you know, He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And you, our, our, our basic call here at the church is the great commandment and the great commission to love God and to go reach the world. And the equipping component builds both of those avenues. And I, I've just watched, even since COVID, I've just watched people kind of back away from the word and the gospel to try to accommodate culture. And, and it loses power. And so I think a lot of the problem I'm seeing is that we're, we're not giving a message anymore of, of commitment and being sold out. We're giving a message of, oh, you can kind of do what you want and you're okay. Everything's great. And then when you have, a, when you have society telling our kids all these lies and we're not telling them the truth, this is what we end up with. And it, it's a challenge for the church. I mean, I, I think about the it frustrations is. that our parents had and our grandparents had in raising our parents. Uh, you know, it might be the influence of the bad kid down the street, so to speak, but they could control things like television viewing. You know, I, I right. had limitations. Right. I, I remember one time as a kid, I got into trouble and my dad said, that's okay. That's enough of the TV. And he actually went into my bedroom and cut the cord. <laughs> maybe, yeah. one, maybe one of the earliest cord cutters, even though it wasn't connected to cable <laughs> at the time. It was the rabbit ears with the, with the aluminum foil on it. But oh, my yeah. point is that parents, I think, perhaps feel ill-equipped and overwhelmed trying to compete with what's going on in social media and in culture and society in general today, yeah. coupled with it, the fact that unlike our parents' generation, where oftentimes there was at least one full-time stay-at-home parent we have more single-parent families that are struggling to make ends meet. In a place like the Bay Area, oftentimes these parents are even working two jobs, and so they see right. the kids on occasion. And so the television set, the the PS5, the cell phone become sort of substitute babysitters, and I think that we, we don't fully realize the implications of what ha- what's happening to our kids, the kind of influence that's taking place, and as you point out, almost a surrendering to the culture, the sense that, well, if you can't beat them, join them. And we've even seen this kind of yeah. creep into some aspect of the church, haven't we? Yes. So, I mean, think about when, you know, when I was a teenager, there, 
I don't think I had my first cell phone until I was 21 years old. And it was in a bag. You had to carry it around with you. You know, and you could feel the cancer in the car when you're driving, just radiating from this thing. And nowadays, there's, we, we live and die by the screen so much. I mean, kids are, you know, you just go to a restaurant and watch families. They're, they're all on their phones. No one's talking. And, you know, the accessibility of stuff that you and I could never have when we were 15, 14, 13, 12, is now just right there on their phones. And I think it's time, you know, even in my personal life, I watch my screen time a lot. I don't want to be on my iPhone all the time and on my iPad because I feel like it, it, there is so much stuff that's so bad. I mean, I, I watch it and I'm like, man, I don't even want to, I don't even want to look at this. This is, this is horrible. This is grieving to the Holy Spirit. So I, I think parents just need to be encouraged to be the parent. Not let the kid be the parent, but they be the parent and say, I'm putting my foot down. This is not going to happen. And, and does it become incumbent upon parents to take an even more proactive approach than maybe even our own parents? And I, and I pose that question because my generation, your generation, if we wanted to get into trouble, if we wanted to be exposed to things that were unseemly, you had to go out right. and find it. You had to go to that yep. part of town. Today, yep. a child can be innocently at home and, right. you know, even a toddler grabs mom or dad's phone and they either order, you know, $10,000 worth of pizza online <laughs> or they wind up getting exposed to material that now comes to them. And That's it right. seems as if, boy, the, the challenges of parenting have increased exponentially, which then, in my mind, would suggest that parents need to assert themselves into yeah. their children's lives so much earlier and to be present so much more, even unlike the generation of, of our parents. You got it. It's exactly right. You have to, you have to, I, I think the internet, the controls on the internet, you got to make sure that you're set up safe and conversation with your child. You know, our church has been tackling um, over the last probably couple of years, but really this year we've hit it really hard. We're doing a, a course called sexual integrity for teenagers uh, and for the adults. And it's just recovery from porn addiction. And because I don't, I don't feel like until the church gets a handle on this, we're really going to see the, the true revival we're waiting for. Uh, you know, when they say 70% of a, of, an, of a congregation is battling pornography, that's a huge number. So we're really being proactive to, 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 to grab this thing and handle it in a good way, in a safe way, in a, in a biblical way, and in an honest way to help people recover. Pastor Fry, before time slips away, spend a couple of moments, folks that are maybe new to the San Francisco Bay Area that have been eavesdropping on our conversation thinking, wow, this sounds like the kind of church I'd like to be a part of. Just give us a little bit of a snapshot of life and ministry at The Rock in Danville. Well, I think the the way that I would, you know, it's interesting because in, in the world we have in the church, especially, we have so many different ideas and denominations and things. And I would say our church is is endeavoring to be honest, genuine, joyful pursuers of a God that delights in us. And if people come to our church, they're going to get the truth of God's word, but with a spirit of love and grace and power to change the circumstances. I, I always tell people we are, we are not politically correct. Our goal is not to be this culturally perfected place. Our goal is to love the word and to love people. I had someone ask me, cause this is the hot topic of the day, hot buttons of the day. Well, I had a lady just a few weeks ago say, pastor Rick, if I bring my friend here who is homosexual or who, who is struggling with their sexual identity, will they be accepted here and, and, and welcomed? And I said, of course. And I even said it to our church one day. I made them all laugh. I, I said, uh, 
there's adulterers in our church. There's liars in our church. And let's hope that they're being transformed. But what they won't get is they they might be offended at some point that we would say something from the Bible that cross-grains their life. So so we're, we're, we're not set out to be and pounding and picketing. That's not our heart. But you're going to get you're going to get the word and you're going to get what I believe is the life of the spirit. I have so many people that come to our church and visit and they just walk in and say, wow, there I haven't, we haven't sang a song. We haven't done anything. And they go, I feel like the presence of the Lord is in this place, in this sanctuary, in this lobby. So I, I think that's who we are in a nutshell. We, we always say an authentic Christianity that joyfully pursues a, a loving God who delights in his people. Amen. And, and, and delivering a, a message that is as relevant today as it was when, yeah. uh, when Christ preached it during his ministry here on earth. The Rock Church of Danville meets at 2615 Camino Tassajara, that's in Danville. And uh, you can get more information by simply going online to The Rock CA, think CA is California, therockca.com. That's therockca.com. Service times are Sunday mornings at 9.15 a.m. or at 11 a.m. And, of course, you'll find something for everyone at The Rock Church. So we invite you to check them out online, and then we'll check them out on person, catch a Sunday service. Pastor Rick Fry, Senior Pastor at The Rock of Danville, we sure appreciate you spending some time with us today. Thank you so much. It was awesome. Good morning. It's still morning. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Killer worship team. Aren't they great? They're amazing. By the way, uh, we have our Friday, uh, I think 10 people or so went up to Olympia, Washington, where we are having our new rock campus. And they're running, coaches are there running a good group of people through our discipleship. They've been there. They've, they're still there. They leave tonight. So I want to pray for them as, cause they're our new family up there. I want to pray for them as we, as we get ready to uh, get in the word. So pray with me, father, thank you for your Holy spirit. Thank you for the word of God. I pray that even in Olympia, Lord, as they're going through discipleship, that you would cover them and bless them and fill them, Lord, and bless that team that's up there with them now. And just do a mighty work. Uh, in that region and here, Lord. We thank you. We love you. Bless the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, we're in a new series called Narrow, and uh, today we're talking about the way is narrow. I just want to, real quick, sometimes when I preach a message like I'm about to preach, people get into this legalistic mode, and they start thinking they've got to earn their salvation. That is not what this message is. This message is not an earn it mode, but I am. This is the morning to probably put on the double harness seatbelt and turn the airbags on because it's, we're going to talk about what Jesus said about walking the narrow way. So get ready. And if you're going to get offended, here's what, okay. Here's, Here's what I say about getting offended. As long as you get offended at truth and it takes you to a new place, don't be offended. Just be like, yeah, hey, that's true, and I need to deal with it. Because people get offended at this message all the time. Uh, anytime I start talking about walking with Jesus, like, Wah! people get all freaked out. That's not how they sound, but that's, that's what they do. The Bible talks a lot in the end times about deception and deception coming on the earth and coming on the world and coming on people. And so I want to deception-proof your life today. I want to keep you, as we see the end times coming down, the last days, I want to see you walking on the straight and narrow path. Matthew 7, 13, Jesus said this. He said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that that leads to destruction. And there are many who go uh, go in that way. How many go in? Many. So a lot. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. I'm going to say it one more time. There are few who find it. The reason why it's narrow is a lot of reasons, but the main reason is because Jesus himself said, I'm the only way to the Father. You can't go to heaven without him. You can't go to heaven without his blood. And people in the world freak out on that message. What are you saying? You're saying there's only one way? Well, I'm a Christian, and so if I say I'm a Christian, that means I'm going to follow the Bible 
that I'm going to agree with Jesus and not with you. Yeah, he died for the world, not for white Americans. He died for the entire world. He died for everybody, every race. And so he is, it's narrow message and people get all offended at that. Well, you can't say that. And I go, well, Jesus said it. So I got to agree with Jesus. How many go, amen, agree with Jesus? Thank you. Thank you. Jesus speaks of two gates and two ways. And I wrote this down and it's mind blowing. Ready? This is what I wrote down. One is narrow and difficult. (laughs) The other is wide and easy. Isn't that just earth shattering? (laughs) Jesus said this, watch. He said, narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life and broad and easy is the way that leads to destruction. Do you know why broad and easy? It's broad and easy because it's easy. I don't have to do anything. I can just live my life. I can agree with the world. I can do whatever I want. And Jesus said this way is a... Matter of fact, I preached on it a few months ago. As you're walking with Jesus, the way becomes even narrower. The more you walk by. When I first got saved, 15-year-old hippie boy, rock and roll drummer, I got saved. Everyone thought I was great. I got saved. And I, as I was, I mean, I would share Jesus with people. You know this. I would cuss while I was sharing Jesus. I literally would. I'd be walking to like, you know, long haired kid walking with dudes up to the 7-Eleven from our high school. And she's like, you need Jesus, man. Cause you're, and they're just like, I'm drinking a Slurpee. Watch this broadness that I was in. I received Jesus. And as life has moved on and as things have gotten this is what it really means. The narrow way, it gets narrower and narrower as it gets tighter and tighter the more you walk with him. What I did at 15, I don't do now. What I did at 30, I don't do now. What I did five years ago, I don't do now. It's called growing in salvation. It's like I'm walking with Jesus, and man, that road just keeps getting tighter and tighter, and it's harder and harder, and my, my muscle right here for changing the channel on my TV is huge because I just there's stuff that comes on. I go, I don't want to watch that. That doesn't honor the Lord. Whereas 15 years ago, 15 years ago, I probably would have been okay with it, and now it's just getting narrower and narrower and tight. Listen, broad is the way because it's popular. Broad is the way because it's easy. Watch this. Broad is the way, Jesus said, that leads where? To destruction, which is hell. Jesus didn't pull punches, man. Jesus didn't just be like, hey, you know, if you think about it, you know, you might want to look into it. He was like, hey, listen, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Narrow, the gate, it's broad and easy to get to go to hell. It's easy to go to hell. Why? Because you just have to wake up every morning and let your flesh do what it wants. And just agree with whatever you want. Broad. It, it, I'm, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offend, okay? It's, it's, I, just, I, I know someone's going to get offended in here. I just, someone's going to get offended. Uh, thank you. <laughs> broad is the way. So watch this. Right now, there's a broad way that's going on. Sexual confusion and perversion. Politics gets drug into everything. We're telling five-year-old little boys that they might be little girls. Now, what, no, listen to this. Listen to this. If I went into a school and said, can I read some scripture to these children? They'd be like, no, you can't do that. But somebody can go in and tell them that they might be a, a boy or a girl when they're not. And so they're confusing the minds of our kids. And it's broad and everyone. If you disagree, you're a bigot, you're a hater, you're a da-da-da-da, you don't love. Ah, it goes on and on, and that's garbage. That's just the voice of the enemy trying to shut the church down. And, and so there's this broad way, and everyone just goes, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, let's do that. And everybody just starts walking down that road. And then here's you and me that love Jesus. We're like those little fish. We're swimming against the, the, the grain here. We're in this little tight path following Jesus and following his word. And Jesus said he made a promise to us. He goes, hey, if you follow me, people aren't going to like you. We have social media now where I'm not on any social media because I'm not mature enough to be on there. But I'm not. I'm just not. I argue with people and, you know. Look, a shot of my lunch. Everyone likes it. You say the right thing. Everyone likes it. This was my problem when I was on social media. You say the truth. Defriended, disliked, disliked, 
And all of a sudden now I'm just like, oh, I'm not a good person in the enemy. No, no, it's because you're actually on the straight and narrow path. You're actually a voice that people go, oh, I don't like that. Why? Because I want the broad, easy way, man. How many of you love the easy way? How many of you work out? So few. So few. Why? Because it's hard. I don't want to lift heavy things. And then every now and again, I switch. And you go for my, I'm getting a cramp right here. Somebody, the guy asked me the other, he, he texted me, he goes, hey, I was watching you online, man. Do you work out? And I was like, no. And he goes, well, you look like you work out. I just don't eat sugary junk food. That's it. Why? Because I don't want to work out. I don't want to lift everything. Why? Because it's hard. I, there's a guy in our church. Every time I see him, I call him muscles because he, he's huge. And I go, dude, you're huge. He goes, it's a shirt. I go, it's not the shirt. I bought the same shirt as you. It doesn't. I don't look at, I'm driving down Camino Tassajara. He's doing pull-ups on street signs and stuff. And I'm like going, I don't want to do that. Why? Because easy, easy is the way to comfortability and sickness and trouble. Broad. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, Jesus said. Narrow. Man, I just want you to get it. Narrow and difficult. Walking with Jesus is not for the faint of heart. Jesus said this, he goes, and by the way, Christians have been mocked for centuries as being goody two-shoes since Jesus came. Narrow and hard is the way. I don't mind narrow. I don't mind narrow. I don't mind like... Oh, like you're walking on a path, although I don't like when I'm out. How many of you hike? Raise your hand. Okay, good. I don't, but I've been in the woods before, and, and I've been on a trail, and I, I don't like stuff touching me. I don't, I don't like branches, and like there's weeds hanging out. You should go on a walk with me in a trail. I, I, I'm literally, I look like a boxer. I'm dodging branches. Why? I don't want to get poison oak. I don't want something touching me, scratching me, hurting me. So, man, I don't mind narrow, but what I do mind is hard. I don't like hard. I want, I'm just going to be honest, I say it before, I'm, I'm a delicate man. <laughs> milky white skin. My feet look like they did in the seventh grade. They haven't changed. I don't wear, go barefooted, so they're just, they're models' feet. I mean, they're just, they're nice. <laughs> They're nice feet. I, I don't like hard. And when things get hard, I start going, Lord, do you not like me? I don't like narrow and hard. We were on a trip. SL, senior leadership, and I won't say who it was that was driving, but we were in the church truck coming back from uh, Tahoe. And, and this person, we'd never driven with him before. And he said, I'll drive. Okay, great. Dear God. <laughs> we got down... I don't even know how we made it off the mountain, but we got down on the freeway and we're driving along and I hear Matt Klosterman behind me and Jen is in the passenger seat over here and I'm in the passenger seat and this person's driving and I hear Matt Klosterman under his breath speaking in tongues. (laughs) Pastor Matt. And he's saying this, dear God, oh God. And he's texting his wife goodbye. (laughs) We're in this truck and we're doing... I bet you we're going 90 a couple times. And we're going around traffic like, like there is none. And this, here's a big PG&E truck. Big one. Right over here. This lane here. We're in this lane. We've moved into this lane. There's like a semi-truck here. And one of them starts to go into this lane. And we're going to go between them. As he's coming over. And I literally lost 20 pounds, trying to get skinnier. Just, uh, all I saw was E the, from PG&E right here. And I mean, we barely made it through. He didn't even flinch. I'm, I'm like, Jen's got a paper bag. We get a text. No, we get a voicemail from uh, probably the PG&E guy. Because if you notice, our church truck does not have the rock logo on it anymore because of this. 
Worst driver I've ever seen is what this person was like. Hey, the, the rock church, this guy was driving crazy. And I was like, amen. He, he never drove again, will never drive again for us. But when it got narrow, it didn't bother me. But when it started to get hard and difficult, and I thought I was going to see Jesus, I didn't like it. I was like, oh. and that's how I feel right now in the world. There is a, there is a, there is the gray has been pulled out of the middle. There's no more just easy. By the way, a lot of people preach easy street Christianity. Oh no, man. No, it's, it's the prosperity gospel. People that understand prosperity in scripture, sometimes they take it too far and they get focused on just that. And, and people get into all and they get focused on it. The problem with the prosperity message without the cross is that you get taught that everything's going to be wonderful. And then when things go wrong, you're offended at God. And I say this, God is good and he prospers me and he blesses me. There's scriptures. If I do this, if I do that, he blesses me. But there's also a cross to bear. There's also a difficultness and a narrowness that comes upon our lives as believers. I'm sorry. I, I know I'm trying to encourage you today. You're going to probably have to go home and watch some Joel Olstein when this is all done. I mean, just to encourage yourself, because I've, I've listened to Joe. Joel, I feel encouraged afterwards. Like, I'm mighty. I'm anointed. I'm with my dog. I'm anointed. I mean, I... <laughs> the problem with the broad road, here's the problem with the broad road, right? I'm going to give it to you in two words. Here's the, here's the issue with the broad road. Maybe a couple other words. I'm not good in English. No repentance necessary. So you can have your Bible, a little bit of Jesus. You can be sleeping around. You can be endorsing homosexuality because you're trying to be loving and kind. You can endorse all the stuff that's going on in the world and people like you because, yeah, you got a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of forgiveness, a little bit of the love of God. But then, and then you, you're okay with this and with that, and that road just gets broader. The reason why the Broadway is an easy way is because there's no repentance necessary. There's no turning away from anything. It's just receive, oh, yeah, man, he likes me. Yeah, it's cool. Hey, here's a true statement. You, you're saved by grace and the love of God and nothing else. He loves you, but he is holy and righteous, and we are called to serve him. We are called, if we're going to name the name of Jesus, to turn away from sin. It's right there in Scripture. Those who name his name must forsake stuff. See, when you got saved, did it cost you something? Because if it didn't, I'm not sure you're, you're saved. It cost me something when I was 15 years old and I said, Jesus, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. I didn't even know what I was saying when I said that. I'll go for it, Lord. I'll serve you forever. And I went to school with my family, the big family Bible, because we didn't have cool Bibles, you know, and I'm carrying this giant, literally giant Bible with a picture of Jesus on the front of it, a wood frame on the cover. And I'm just like, I'm carrying it to school and everyone's like, what happened to Rick, man? If you want to save your life, Jesus said, lose it. If you want to lose your, if you, if you want to keep your life, then you're, you're basically going to go to hell. What does that mean? It means this, that the moment I said yes to Jesus and walked onto that campus with my Bible in my hand and all the, my friends looked at me and said, oh, he's a Jesus freak now. I lost my identity and my reputation in that moment. Because everyone just said, oh, he, that's what they did with the disciples. The reason why they called them Christians because it was Christ-like little Christians. So they just, oh, you're with Jesus. I hope people say that about me. I don't want people to wonder, is that guy a Christian? I don't even know. Does that guy serve God? Does he even? I want it to be, if in a court of law, if I was to be found guilty, I want it to be just absolutely no problem proving me that I was a follower of Jesus. The problem nowadays, so many preachers preach easy street Christianity. Hey, it's cool, man. You're good, dude. God just wants to fulfill your dreams and make you rich. See, if I wrote a book, Come and Die on the Cross, <laughs> Lay Your Life Down, it's not going to be a bestseller. But if I wrote, Hey, man, God wants you rich and fat and happy, flying off the shelves. Why? Because our flesh loves that. Our flesh enjoys that. Our flesh is like, Yeah, tell me more about how great I am. And no, no, don't tell me I have to go die to myself. What did Jesus say? If you're going to follow me, 
Take up your cross, not his cross, because you can't take up his cross. Take up your cross and what? Follow. Here's Jesus. Watch this. Here's Jesus. He's, I'm walking with Jesus. Boom. Culture says, and please hear me, if you, if you struggle with homosexuality, I'm not condemning you. you. You can, I know people who walked with Jesus who struggled with same-sex marriage or marriage uh, attraction for 30 years, never acted on it. God bless them. Great is their reward because they resisted temptation. Please hear me. I'm not condemning, but there are people that say, yeah, it's okay. Here it comes. Culture says it's fine. And if you disagree with us, you're a hater and you're a bigot and we're going to come after you. Well, guess what? I guess I'm just going to have to take one for the team because I'm carrying my cross. And, and I can't follow, watch this. I can't follow Jesus if I'm unwilling to follow his word. I can't. If I name him as Lord and deny his word, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I'm going down the broad path, easy breezy Christianity. It's all cool and good. And the Lord's like, follow me. It's awesome. By the way, it's awesome. There's going to be reward in heaven. There's reward in this life for following him down the straight and narrow path. Man, here's how I want to be with Jesus. Where, where, what are you doing? Am I close enough, Lord? Like I would be, I'm probably annoying. You know those kids that are kind of annoying sometimes? They're just always right there like, oh, geez, could you just give me a breath for just a second? I, th- I, want, I want the Lord to be annoyed with me because I'm just like, am I good? Am I, I'm good. I'm holding on to your, to your little belt. I'm holding on. I'm not. I'm, wh- where are you going? Oh, that's where I want to go. What are you saying? Oh, that's what I want to say. Instead of, well, Jesus. You know that Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. And he didn't just say that. He said, if you deny me and my words. Guys, we've got to get back to the straight and narrow path. How many of you are glad you came to church today? How many of you feel encouraged? Yeah. Trying to strengthen you. Leonard Ravenhill. How many know who Leonard Ravenhill is? Gosh, I, every service I'm amazed at the like, three people. Eh. Leonard Ravenhill was, he, he, I used to call him when I was in high school, a baseball bat preacher. Dude was just, I mean, just lay you out. Go get some of his books. They're, they're powerful. They'll, they'll, they'll just story up. I want to I read what he, what, what he wrote. It's super cool. Lynn Ravenhold said, if you want to be like Jesus, remember he had a wilderness, a Gethsemane, and a Judas. He said, I want to be like Jesus. And I go, what does that mean? Jesus was persecuted, hated by the world because he was against sin. The Bible says that. The Bible says that people didn't like him. He was crucified. He had a betrayer. He was in a, just sweating it out, drops of blood in a garden because he was resisting the enemy and sin. I want to be like Jesus too, but here's what I know. He doesn't lie to me. I, 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 let me show you a verse real quick. 2 Timothy 3.10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose of faith, long-suffering, love, persecution, uh, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them the Lord delivered, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That book's not being written. That book's not being written. All who want to live godly in Christ Jesus, watch what it says, all who want to live godly will suffer persecution. From people and from the enemy. Isn't it funny the moment that you say, man, I'm going to start praying and reading my Bible. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start living for Jesus. All hell breaks loose against your life. You ever notice that? Why? Because the enemy leaves people alone that aren't a problem to him. He wants you in your lukewarm Christian life. He wants you in the struggle of just garbage and sin. He's like, I'm good with that person. The moment that you start re-upping with Jesus, Lord, I'm here to serve you. And, and you go, I'm going to start doing it. Man, he just wants to pound your life. Why? Because he doesn't like you. See, before you were a Christian, you had one enemy. One. One enemy, God. Because the Bible says when we're not in Christ, we haven't received him as our savior, that we're an enemy with God, man. He, he, there's a, but here's the good thing about this, he, this enemy. He loves you and is pursuing you and coming after you and wanting you. You get saved, and now you get three enemies. You, 
your flesh, your sinful nature. I know everyone thinks that you're beautiful and amazing, but you are gross without Jesus. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> Encourage you today. God bless you. The enemy, the devil is now, your, now coming after you because you're not on his team anymore. And the world, the system of the world becomes your enemy. So you go from one enemy that loves you to three enemies that hate you. And so it gets, watch, watch this. Harder, harder. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. The more I walk with him, the tighter this path gets. The more I walk with him, the more I love him, the more I pray, the more I'm in the word, the more I cannot put up with stuff in my life. There's things that come on the television. Cindy and I do it all the time. Just change the channel, change the channel, change the channel. We'll get into some cool thing on Netflix in a season. How many of you are always looking for a season of something, right? I want to find something good to watch, something to be. Oh, this is a good one. You get four in. And here it comes. The agenda of the world. The agenda of hell starts coming at us. And it's like, are you kidding me? I got to put up with this for 92 more episodes? Nope. Amen. And then everybody goes, well, that's really not that big of a deal. I mean, it's kind of, it offends my friend who lives in my heart. Amen. The Holy Spirit who dwells in me goes, oh, I don't like that. Right? Good. I'm going to close with uh, John 10. So go to John 10 real quick. This probably John 10 came out of this sermon in John 10 was birthed out of what happened in John chapter nine. So go back and read nine. Chapter nine is when the blind guy got healed by Jesus. And then the Pharisees were like, what the heck? Who healed you? How did it happen? What, what, what's going on with you? And they, he, it was Jesus. And they were like giving him all kinds of trouble. And then finally he goes, do you just want to serve Jesus? Is that why you're asking? And watch what they did. They kicked him out of the synagogue. They kicked him out of church. That's amazing to me that healing can happen and miracles can happen and people want to kick it out. There are people who go, well, you know, God doesn't do this and God doesn't do that. And they'll see a miracle right in front of their eyes and they'd still want to just dismiss it. And they dismiss it. They kick this guy out. And look what Jesus says. John 10, 1. Most surely I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he, uh, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the, uh, to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So watch this. His sheep hear his voice, and he leads them. That's a promise. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. And they know his voice. Listen to this verse. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things he spoke to them. So in verse 7, he makes it clear. Here we go. And Jesus said to them again, Most surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And go out and find good pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Wow. Jesus breaks it down. He goes, guys, you're jacked up. You Pharisees kicked this man out of church. You kicked this guy out of church. You don't understand. Watch this. He goes, you're a thief and a robber. You're super religious. You sound good. You say the right things. You quote scripture. You wear the right clothes. You go to church. You carry your Bible. You do all the right stuff, you religious leaders. But I'm here to tell you that you're a thief and a robber. He goes, I, and then he, this, this is crazy. I never knew this. So in the, in the New Testament, Old Testament, whenever there were shepherds, they would build these big, huge rock walls to keep the sheep in, you know, like, like this tall. And they would leave them throughout these pastures so that other guys could come in. And sometimes there might be seven shepherds and all their sheep, and they would put them inside this pen at night to keep them safe. And it was so, so let's imagine it's a big rock wall and there's no door. It's wide open. It's just a wide open entry. And the shepherd, watch, this is so cool. I, I, I've never studied this. And I studied it. I was like, wow, this is amazing. The shepherd would lay between the doorway. So they didn't just lock a gate like we have today. The shepherd was the gate. And he would just lay there and lay across the wall. And if anything tried to come and, and 
Stuff would try to come over, wolves and coyotes. And there's false doctrines, you guys, in the world today. There's so much false doctrine. There's even false doctrines that sound really smart and really Christian, but denies the power of the Spirit and denies things that are scriptural. That sounds really good. And it's like, ump, 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 ump. the enemy's trying to come in over the gates, over the thing. And here's what he says. He goes, Jesus goes, I am. And this made sense to them because how many of you have a bunch of sheep in your backyard? How many of you have been a shepherd? You're, you're like hanging out with the sheep. You know, you're, you're with the sheep all the time. Yeah, one or two people have been around that. Jesus made this illustration. And they understood, oh, you're the gatekeeper. You are it. It's narrow because it's one person. You see, we enter into faith through Jesus Christ, not through a church, not through a religion, not through Catholics, not through Baptists, not through Pentecostal, not through Charismatic, not through Lutheran. None of those things save you. None of those things. You can go to the Catholic church your whole life and never know Jesus. You can go to the Pentecostal Charismatic church and never know Jesus. You can go to anything. That's not, salvation is a personal thing between you and Jesus. You have to come to him, not to a dead religion and say, let me in. Yeah. Imagine laying there. Wolves and coyotes are trying to come into the pen and they, they meet the shepherd. Did you know that sheep, when they get the, their wool gets really heavy and, and, and I'm going to say the word fat. I don't mean to, to, to say fat because people get offended by that word. People get offended by everything nowadays. I've realized as a speaker, there's nothing you can say anymore. You just have to stand there because everybody gets offended. They get real fat, their wool. Little foxes, watch this, little foxes come up and they get inside the wool of the sheep and they attach themselves. So when they come through, they're in the pen with the sheep. So that shepherd's crook, you know, it has the little thing on it. Part of the way they would use that is when the sheep would go in, they would run it under the bottom of the sheep and knock down anything that was attached to it. You see, when we come to Jesus, we have to be willing to let go of the stuff that we've been carrying and say, Lord, I just want you. And he is the, watch this, he is the gatekeeper. There's no other way to be saved. You have to come through Jesus, who's the keeper of the gate. You know what I love about God? Is that he gave us a narrow choice. I love that God made everything super narrow and super clear in the Bible. We don't like it. Our flesh hates that. Our flesh is like, well, maybe. It's like, nah, it's pretty clear right there in the Bible. Don't do that. Well, maybe. Watch. He is so good that he made it very clear and a very narrow choice. Why? Because he knows that you and I, if we're left to ourselves to figure it out, we'll come with all kinds of crazy. That's why there's crazy religions in the world. That's why there's weird ideas and crazy stuff going on. You know why? Because men are trying to figure out how to get God and God worked his, his way to us through Jesus Christ. He made it very clear. I love that because I don't need all those options in my life. Those who come to him, Jesus said, he made a promise. He goes, they're going to be saved. What a great promise. Not what's your, you know, Jesus doesn't interview you before you come in the gate. Okay, hold on one second. Where do you live? Ah, that's not very good. How much money do you make a year? Okay, sweet. We're getting better. All right. What kind of car do you drive? Ugh, Prius? Oh. <laughs> Extra deliverance right there on that one. That's what we do to each other. You ever do that? Have you ever driven, can we just be, just be honest for a second. You ever driven by an old beater car and thought, that person must be X, Y, Z. My dad told me one time, he said, never, never judge a book by its cover. He ran a big automotive shop and then he ran a dealership for a while. And all the young guys were, were in, in, inside because it was hot outside and they didn't want to go outside. And this old guy gets out of a beat up truck just looking at cars. And my dad's like, hey, when do you guys need to go out there? No, that guy's not got any money. My dad knew who he was. So my dad walks out, shakes his hand, sells him a car, comes back in. He bought some, you know, back then, whatever it was. And he told those guys, he says, that's the richest man in Shasta County. 
And you, so see, we do that though. We judge each other. Oh, you're here. You're, you're vaccinated. Oh, you're not vaccinated. You're, you're this, you're that. And we just start literally labeling and judging. And then we go, and then the prostitute and the rich man that lives in Black Hawk and, Hawk, and then the girl that lives on the streets in Oakland. We, we have these measuring sticks. And the Lord's like, anyone, anyone that comes to me will be saved. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how great you think you are or how bad you think you are. If you think you're great, you need to understand how bad you are. Hello. I, I think I told you I was ministering to a guy and he riding in his hoopty and I was like, dude, sweet car. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm doing really good. Man, I got all this money. I was like, you know Jesus? No. And I go, dude, only bummer. He's like, I, what? And I go, you're, you're just going to hell in a nice car. That's all it is. You just have air-conditioned seats, man, and you're going to hell. It's so, so sweet. Do you get what I'm saying? We're all the same before him. Danville, Martinez, Blackhawk, Tracy. God loves every single human being. And if we come to him, we're saved. What a great promise. Come to the shepherd who's the gate, who's the door. It's narrow and difficult, but keep going. Just, just keep doing it. Oh, it's getting tight. I'm, I guess I'm walking tight. I remember, I'm going to close with a story of the worship team coming out. I remember when I was a young man, literally 17 years old, and from the time at about 15 years old, I started, um, the moment I got saved, I started reading my Bible and praying every morning, every morning, every morning. Prayer in the word prayer in the word till I was 17, man. Awesome. I would pray, God, where's my wallet? Boom. There was, I mean, just amazing. God, I want to see that guy get saved. Boom. Powerful. 17 years old. I got up one morning and I went to pray and it was like, I was praying to that pulpit. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. And man, I went to church and I'd worship. I was like, what's going on? I don't feel anything. And so I said to the Lord, I was standing in my room as a 17 year old kid with my Bible held up in the air. I remember this moment. I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't care if I ever feel your presence again. I don't care how I feel when I pray. I am going to believe your word. I'm going to pray and worship because your word says it's good and because your word says it's worthy. I don't care if I feel good, bad. I don't care if people are persecuting me, if I'm in a hard time. Watch this. This is amazing. And I said, in the name of Jesus, amen. And got up the next morning, dull. Three months later, dull. Six months later, dull. Nine months later, oh, dull. A year later, finally, I was at, I was at, uh, at our church service, and I was like, oh, yeah. Well, I just felt a little bit. See, problem with charismatic theology is we can, get, we, we can become addicted to feelings. And the Bible says the just walk by faith. So I love when I feel the presence of God. I've been in here and felt the presence of God. Oh, you're so good. And I feel his peace and I feel his joy. But I'll tell you what, as it got narrower and narrower during that year, when I came on the other side of that, my faith was 10 times stronger. My worship was more effective. My prayer life was more effective. Why? Why? Because I didn't allow myself to be dictated to by my flesh and by what's going on around me. I let the word of God dictate to me how I'm going to live my life. Because why? I want to be on the straight and narrow path. I don't care. I know it's going to get difficult. By the way, how many have been walking with Jesus more than five years? Yeah. How many have been walking with Jesus 40 years? Gets hard, don't it? It's almost like it gets harder, like the longer you go. God bless you that are walking five years. I'm not trying to discourage you, but it's like it just, it just gets a little more narrow. Hey, no, I can't go to Vegas with the group anymore. It's going to cost you something. I can't go anymore. Why? Because every time I go to Vegas with you clowns, I end up drinking that giant drink everyone walks around with. And then I do stupid stuff that grieves the heart of God. And I love him and he loves me. And it's kind of costing me, but I I can't go with you. Nope. I don't want to watch that on television. Why? Because I don't think that that's appropriate and right and godly. It's not legalism. Legalism's horrible. I don't want you to be legalistic. You should hang out with me someday. I am not legalistic. I'm a goofball all the time. I take myself not serious at all. I take the Lord very serious. But me, ask anybody that hangs around with me. I'm a goof. Everywhere I go, I'm smiling, laughing, joking. People go, oh, you're, you're a pastor? Well, you don't act like a pastor. I'm like, well, how should a pastor act? 
very uptight and very religious. Straight and narrow. We're going to walk in it. I'm walking in it, and I want you to join me. I want to look behind me, and there you guys are. Just, and the world goes, you're stupid. And you go, yes, I'm stupid. I used to do that when people would, people would persecute me as a kid. I would just go, you're right, I'm dumb. And then, and then I would say, but at least I'm dumb on my way to heaven. You're smart. You're on the broad road that goes to nowhere. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, thank you for the word of God that we have a copy of it and we can read it. Thank you, Jesus, that you make it very clear. And we don't have to have guesswork about this, that Jesus, you're the only way. You loved us. You died for us. You gave yourself for us. And thank you for that. May we live a convicted, holy, righteous life by the power of your grace and walk behind you with joy and passion. With all eyes closed, even online, I want you to respond to this. Starting on the far left of this room, if you're in the room and you're like, hey, I'm not sure I know Jesus. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to be. I want to give my life to Christ today. Would you just raise your hand up if that's you? My eyes are going to move quick through this audience. So don't, yes, sir. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Good. Good. Yes. See you. Yep. Awesome. Coming through this middle section right here. In the middle section. You got to raise it high. These lights are bright. Good, good. Yep. See your hand. Coming through here. Yes, sir. Yep. See you. See you. Yep. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Far right of this room. Say, I need Jesus in my life. Good. Yes. Anybody else? Beautiful. Here's the great news. All of you that raised your hands, as we pray this prayer, this isn't magical. I just want you to repeat this after me. The moment we're done praying, even, even now, the Lord's just responding to you. You will be before God, his child, forgiven, clean, washed in the blood, made new. I want you just to say this to the Lord right where you're sitting. Say, Heavenly Father, you are a holy God, and I am not. I have sinned against you. I believe you sent your son, Jesus, for me. He died. He was buried and rose again. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin. Wash me in the blood and take away anything in me that's offensive. Write my name in the book of life. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Come on. Well, we've got just a few minutes. Uh, 12, 11. Hey, we're early. I want you to take the next six minutes. Don't, don't be like, I'm out of here. You know, we're going to, we got to beat CPC to the Black Bear Diner. Uh, don't do that. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you for the next six minutes. And just like, Lord, is there anywhere in my life that I'm not following you down the straight and narrow path? Is there anywhere in me that's offensive to you? And when he shows it to you, don't argue with him. Just be like, yep, I repent. Help me. Give me grace. Let's do it. Let's worship Let's, let's go six minutes, five minutes. Let's go for it with all of our hearts. Amen. Pastor Rick Fry, Senior Pastor at The Rock of Danville. Get more information by simply going online to therockca.com. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to your church's website to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to the website and email to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.